movie time, digging through the crates of the throwbacks. We don't know yet. Sit back while Diane and Jess examine this hot mess. Cause it can be no classic unless it passes the smell test. You smell it. Hi everybody and welcome to the smell test podcast. I do have to say, um, I just tried to dance a little bit. Uh, to she that, did. it was good. It was good. I was gonna say, I never felt more white. Um, <laughs> that's a white side coming out. <laughs> there's a few moments when my white side comes out. So if you're listening to this and you have, I'm sure I've mentioned it, but I am not fully white. I'm half white, and there's a few moments when it comes out. Um, it comes out when I try to dance to anything re- related to hip hop. Um, any, <laughs> it just yeah, I get paralyzed with whiteness. Like girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then um when uh don't stop believing by journey comes on i can't I control it and then also I, and you'll relate to this one i know you I, hate it i know you hate this song i know you and your brother hate this song but when sweet caroline comes on i have to do that like it's yeah, just I it mean, comes out of me pretty like, much part of the song at that point yeah, in time. yeah. so were you saying something you have you have I, that don't stop I, believing I don't, um, I think, you know, as much as I am very fully white, uh, I tend to dislike things that are super popular. I like, it's like the, a defense mechanism. You're so edgy. So, so I'm so cool and edgy. And right now I'm wearing- I'm not like other under a t-shirt. So like, <laughs> I got my full- <laughs> Um, but- so like I I don't like talking about sports because I'm from Massachusetts and everyone from Massachusetts is a psychotic sports fan and that's too yeah. much for me right so don't stop believing is one of those songs for me that like every time I have to hear it I'm like ugh and you know I don't know if you haven't noticed but um the Catholic guilt side of me really does not love something that tells yourself that you're good. <laughs> Like, it's too it's too nice of a message <laughs> i didn't know that that song had roots in sports i know sweet caroline does oh no no, no. i'm just i'm saying don't stop believing it they play it like every time you go to a karaoke someone sings that like that's one of those oh, songs. yeah so that's not related to sports i'm just giving you another example oh just another example of things that you're not into things that i'm not into because of how psychotic Obviously. their fans are gotcha that's fair Anyway, welcome to the Smell Test Podcast. <laughs> so we've been on our break. Um, yep. We haven't talked to each other in two weeks. We didn't. I mean, we've texted, but we didn't actually ever tell our 16 listeners that we were going to take a break because it, it was kind of on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it was an accidental break, but we're back. So let me tell you, just to tell you who we are. We are the weekly <laughs> we'll get back to that we're the weekly or so weekly ish podcast where we review beloved movies from our past to see whether they today as of january 2024 still hold up culturally ethically humorously and through our own personal gut checks we conclude by the episodes by judging whether or not the film we've watched passes the smell test we have a few disclaimers we don't want to get sued so um, this podcast solely represents the opinion of the podcasters and is meant for entertainment purposes only. John Cusack, please don't sue us. Please don't sue us. We if love you. John, what if John Cusack knew who we were because of this podcast? That'd be great. Yes. Um, I, we'll get into who 
John. We don't have any money. You can sue us, but there's you can't draw yeah. blood from a stone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this podcast also includes spoilers. So if you want to watch whatever we're talking about beforehand, by all means do so. Today it's gonna be a little funky because we're we're talking about a bunch of movies, but the young the like newest movie came out 23 years, 24 almost years ago mm-hmm. at this point. So if you haven't seen it, that's kind of on you. Um, so as far as who's this person talking to you, I'm Diane O'Day. Um, I am a PhD student. I also, um, dabble a little bit in teaching. I've taught a pop culture class. Um, I, uh, study ethics and write about ethics. So, um, when I'm watching movies now, especially now, I look at, oh, is this an ethical movie? Or what does this movie mean for what does this movie tell us about the time it happened in, which I call the zeitgeist? Um, it's a big word I like. Um, <laughs> so put it on the uh, calendar, people. <laughs> <laughs> so that's who i am um as of right now i'm 36 so um i'm gonna be 37 soon so i was born in the year 1987 uh so i was pretty young when a few of the movies we're gonna discuss or non-existent (laughs) you weren't even a gleam in utero perhaps (laughs) (laughs) what about you jess hi i am jess homer i am uh 42 um and i am an attorney and I mostly focus on issues of labor and employment law and disability law. Um, and I also teach and I'm also going to be writing with Diane. We got to talk about that in real life. And yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's the whole story. So let's get into this weirdness that we're about to do today. When Diane pro- proposed this uh, podcast, one of the things the two movies that were in my head that we were going to watch in the beginning were uh, Empire Records no. or High Fidelity. And I didn't Fast know Times which one high. Wait, Fast Times at <laughs> Ridgemont High or High Fidelity? Yes. And I accidentally watched High Fidelity and then I realized I had to watch the other one. And all I could think was, holy shit, every John Cusack movie is just how an incel got their guidebook like every single one of them is he's like mopey and sad and then he just wants this one specific very hot girl and blah 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 wine 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 and i was like i said that to diane and then she got personally offended because we love john cusack we do love john cusack we deeply love john cusack as a person but Today, what we're doing is testing the theory that John Cusack movies are all incel movies. The other part in one. So I watched three, four movies. Diane watched three of them. And those movies we're going to talk about today are Say Anything from uh, 1989, High Fidelity from 2000, Better Off Dead, which only I watched from 1985, and then One Crazy Summer from 1986. So. When I said this out loud to my husband, Eric, who, if you have listened, you have listened to Eric talk before, if you're a a regular follower, is I think all John Cusack movies are just incel movies. And he goes, but you've never seen Better Off Dead because that's not that at all. And holy shit, y'all, the opening scene is him having 400 pictures of his girlfriend around 
who has broken up with him, but he's obsessed with her. So oh. it's so, so that did not disprove my theory at all, thus bringing today's group together. So is that a good summary? Makes sense? Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like it's like, I, I feel like we're going to have a debate today. I will tell <laughs> you. Ready to fight. I, I told Jess, I said, I, I think I'm going to, like, I went in. I went into this and I was like, I think I'm going to try to argue for John Cusack. And um, Again, I will say. Characters, not John Cusack, the person. Yes. And so um, I used to be on a mock trial team. So <laughs> I kind of so feel I can argue whichever side. <laughs> yeah, I used to have to always do that. Like, because you never knew in mock trial, you never knew whose side you were going to defend that day mm-hmm. until you got there. And so they'd be like, you're doing defense, you're doing process, whatever. Anyway, I kind of feel like we're both like lawyer, like I'm just, I got whipped back to 20 years ago in mock trial like thinking oh you already made a point that made me go oh shit but then i was like oh and i didn't <laughs> i didn't watch that one so she could say where the fuck she wants it's, the it's worst like i missed that I page say. of the brief um but yeah so i, I will say that it is the worst of them by far. i will okay so i will say that when you first mentioned this um I don't know. Like, I definitely went at some point when we were thinking about this podcast, I watched High Fidelity and I watched it kind of with that brain. And then that film made me go, oh, oh, God. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, why did I like this so much? And so (laughs) that was one of the things where I was like, I have to do this podcast. Like, we have to do it. And so I think I mentioned it to you. But at the time, I was like, yeah, you're so right. John Cusack piece of shit um but i will say yeah and so (laughs) i have some so then i rewatch say anything in like i've mentioned in past episodes like some stuff he does is creepy but i was rewatching it like how are you gonna make the case for john cusack's character so um you keep mentioning (laughs) john cusack's characters not who he is as a person so just a little bit about my background with john cusack because we're doing things a little bit different than this episode um so a couple of things about john cusack john cusack is a prolific tweeter um or xer as they call it now but then they everyone just says formerly known as twitter yeah um, he's not getting the brand recognition that he thought a letter would have <laughs> so he's a so john cusack as a person few things i've heard about john cusack over the years like he was born and bred in the chicago area and he still lives in chicago and i would hear from people because i had friends who moved up to chicago that they're like oh yeah you can just see john cusack just like riding his bike around town and stuff and so like i have heard nothing but what a fantastic person john cusack is as a person for most of my life um he also like i said he's very social media active and beyond like so he there's two things that i love about his social media presence um well i guess three-ish number one he is an outspoken progressive like Mm -hmm outspoken will speak up for the most marginalized people of society 
with his with his messages. And so like related to that, people will comment and be like, I used to be a fan of yours, but like because they're all fucking incels now, Diane. (laughs) So those types of people will message him and like tweet at him or whatever, X at Mm -hmm. him. And go, mm, I'm no longer a fan. And then he'll just be like, fuck you, bye. Like, he yeah. will legitimately tell people to fuck off. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yes, excellent. He's openly admitted that now he can do whatever fucking film he wants. So he doesn't give a shit. And then, so that's one thing about his presence. Second thing about his presence is people will, like, innocently tweet at him stuff like, I really loved you in this movie, like this, like obscure John Cusack film, um, you know, just telling you I'm watching it or something, or maybe they're not even tweeting at him, but they just write that they're watching it. And then he'll like respond and be like, that was a great film. And he'll give like behind the scenes and stuff. Oh, and I'm like, oh. like, he just seems like a solid dude, which just resonates. Like he is a Midwestern guy through and through, which, yeah. uh, they are some of the nicest guys out there. So that's my experience with John Cusack as a non-actor. Now, John Cusack films, um, he's in a few that I kind of grew up watching. So one that we talked about that I'll never watch again. Um, I'm pretty sure he's in 16 Candles. It's 16 Candles that he's in. So he's in some John Hughes films, which makes sense since John Hughes's films take place in Chicago. I'm sure he's in more than that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up, I would say a big film that like was big in my mind, I guess, because I was a teenager, is he was in the movie um, Serendipity. <laughs> yes. I and watched like, that movie. I liked always, it. I think he's always been fra- I think so too. But like, he's always been framed as like, as far as I've been alive, he's always been kind of framed as the sweet guy and like the guy you want to end up with. And like, I have always like kind of had like a little bit of a crush on him because of that, and just been like, yeah, I needed John Cusack. And then I also, so. Did we mention the movies we're doing today? Yeah. Okay. So I also have a personal connection to the movie Say Anything because one of the main characters is named Diane. There you go. (laughs) And so like, so anytime there's like something like that, like, because so my name, it's a very common white lady name, but I would say for a long time, there weren't many, there wasn't much media out there with the name Diane in it. And so like when I found one, like now you just Google like what songs have Diane in it. But like back then I had to find them on my own. So when I found out that the say anything had a character named Diane, I was like, I have to watch this film. I'm in. Um, Same reason why I spent most of my life trying to find a friend named Jack. (laughs) Because of that song. My nephew's name is Jack. Do you want to start? Do something. (laughs) I I actually I have a friend named Jack now and uh he's listened to us twice and uh he listened to our first episode and wrote all of his feedback on one singular index (laughs) (laughs) but so Jack used to uh we we for the longest time never mentioned that song just side tangent and uh 
one time I was like, do you ever think about how like we're Jack and Diane? And he's like, I hate that song. And then we just moved on from it. So I can't even. So now I need to go find a Lloyd. If you're a Lloyd listening to this. Please reach out. Actually, maybe don't because of the context. But (laughs) (laughs) anytime Jack and I go out, though, he'll um, he'll go like if we're he's like introducing us to like strangers or whatever at like a comedy show he'll be like this is diane and people will be like oh my god like jack and diane and then i like instantly go we're not fucking which like <laughs> <laughs> disclaimers thank you <laughs> because that's the like that's what the whole song's about yeah, and i'm like right. i just i just want to be clear <laughs> i just want to be clear here that <laughs> it's just we're not like it, we're that's that's as far as the connection goes is that we both have the same name of someone's song anyway let's get on to john cusack so So, i the only movie i had a relationship with yeah so the only movie here so i have to say big joan cusack fan big sister fan didn't watch a ton. Like I'm going through his imdb and i was like i mean the star of most john cusack's films and i don't mean that as in but the, she's the, in a lot the, of his films, which she is. But she is the, the nugget. <laughs> yeah, she is One the nugget. star for me in a lot of his films. So I haven't seen a ton of. I've seen his like later stuff. Um, like I saw Must Love Dogs. I just saw that on the. So it wasn't really a huge. He was like, oh, that actor, but it wasn't really important to me. But I will say. And I texted her today because like sometimes when I tell a story, I'm like, is that how it happened? I can't even remember. So my friend Amanda DeMeo, who I told I was going to do this, so maybe she'll listen. Who knows? Um, In college, her favorite movies were this, Say Anything, mm-hmm. American History X, and Fight Club. And those are the movies that I remember. And so maybe those weren't okay. her favorite movies, but those are the movies I remember watching with Amanda several times. And I don't I know if I just it. never paid attention to to say anything, but I did not remember this movie at all. Like it was today, it was like I was watching a new movie. I literally thought the movie ended with him holding the the thing up and her running out, but that doesn't even happen in the movie. No. <laughs> I don't know what I- Amanda was also the first friend I got high with. (laughs) I don't know if the I don't know what the uh, is on. You know, I I would say, Amanda, tell me if you're listening. Text (laughs) Jess, tell me if I'm wrong. But I will say it sounds like maybe Amanda was a little bit into Edward Norton. And I would say Edward Norton and John Cusack have similar nice guy vibes. Yeah, I don't think Edward Norton is a nice guy, is he? Yeah, he's a nice guy. I've Googled it before. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The good thing about Google is we can tell if we pollute. I'm pretty sure he's a nice guy. And I would also put Matthew Perry in that same kind of, like, if you, you, not as a nice guy, you're making that face. Okay. But I mean, sorry, I mean, in the Epstein flights, right? No, no, (laughs) he was a terrible dude. Not supposed to besmirch, like, people who are dead, but, like. I will say when my friend texted me that he died, I was like, I mean, he was kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> but so, but he, his anyway, characters that he, he played he, has a kind of nice guy. They vibe. have, I would say those three dudes, 
they have this like certain face where if you told me they were all cousins, I'd have believed you. Okay. All right. Anyway, we can move on. But so how do you want to go say anything? The only movie that I had seen. Okay. For my so husband, you... One Crazy Summer, Better Off Dead. And then he also said, um, what was it? The, there was another one that he, around that time that he said that we should watch, but we didn't. So, um, so he told me that Better Off Dead was not an incel movie, which is insane. I, I, don't, I don't know. I have to rethink this whole the relationship <laughs> i'm just kidding but uh and then one crazy summer but you can also tell like my husband like grew up in the 70s he was a teen. 80s, you know he was a yeah. teenager he you know partook in extracurricular activities he was 100 percent the audience 100 100 percent. now i will say because you haven't seen better off dead the one thing that he remembered from the movie is <laughs> that in the movie at so a paperboy comes to the door and says, you owe me $2. And that's like, and he's like, well, I don't have any money with me, right? It's my parents. Like, it's not for me. It's, And then the paperboy throughout the movie, different scenes, he chases John Cusack. Like John Cusack is on a ski competition with this guy to win over his girl, to win his girl. You gotta be fucking kidding me. It's that movie? Because yeah. that okay <laughs> so i did just watch basically the same movie because <laughs> i told just i said i didn't watch better off dead but it's written and directed by the same dude or one of maybe written and directed not sure but the same dude did wrote both the films yeah and yeah. so i was like it's a manic vibe like that guy must have been dude, on acid I, the entire time. I texted you right and i said I'm not even high right now, and I feel like I am because of one crazy summer. <laughs> okay. So, and so he's skiing, and the kid is on skis going, give me $2. He's, like, That's chasing hilarious. him, and there, there's, like, high-speed auto man. chases. It's so fucking weird. That's the part that Eric remembered, but when he, so, the opening scene, her face is on all his coat clothing hangers. So all his coat hangers and his you know, like how there's like that little piece under the hook in the clothes, clothes hangers. That word is hard for me today. Or her face. She's everywhere in his house. And she brings so, up. All right. So. Let's. I don't know. How should we do this? So do you want to give some more examples of John Cusack? in support of the john cusack is where incel started i have some examples i could also provide that go beyond the films that we just discussed (laughs) (laughs) all right what are those ones so one of the first ones i would say is so 16 candles you probably won't ever see me watch that again unless i really wanted to like hate watch something and have something to talk about for the podcast but his character, so in the movie, John, what is his name? John Seahall? No. Yes? John In C- 16 Candles? Yeah, the dorky guy. Yeah, okay. He, Anthony, was it Anthony Michael Hall? <laughs> I can't no. Uh, the dorky guy, that the guy Anthony. who ends up being on Two and a Half Men, that guy? No, um, mm-mm. It's Anthony uh, Michael Hall. Yes, you are right. Anthony, okay, so Anthony Michael Hall has a 
Um, he has two nerdy friends and he also has an unconscious woman in his car, brings the unconscious woman to his two dorky friends, of which one is John Cusack. And they're both like, whoa. And they take photos of him with her for because they took like Polaroids and shit. So I would say that is definitely in support of insult behavior because he was one of the friends who kind of perpetuated this yeah. creepy behavior. Um, so I already like went in before watching these films thinking, well, he wasn't even that good of a guy in those movies. Right. So that's one example. So you had the example of he had obsessive pictures of a woman he was he actually with this woman at this point yeah so in the beginning of the movie they are dating it's beth it's the love of his life and then beth leaves him and then the whole movie is about him trying to get beth back and like fighting to get beth back but also at the same time falling in love with another girl so Uh so the whole so i would say that like in terms of because we've talked about this before right this like kind of idea things that are that were seen in the 80s and 90s as like grand romantic gestures are so fucking creepy right right and and so in this today they are today yeah and and i mean probably should have been creepy then describe some of the creepy things because i may have counterpoints continue okay so he and another man had a ski race to win back his girlfriend. Like oh, the girl okay. was the that's prize cool. at the end. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. not good. Yeah. That on okay. either side that they, and that sure. was in Better Off Dead. Uh, I do not have a counterpoint to that one. Yeah. Yep. 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 I don't, I actually don't think One Crazy Summer had as many of the incel vibes. Did you see him no. in that one? I didn't, I didn't think it. I think I, I was I just didn't like, think so at all. Things were happening. A few things. Yeah. Uh, other creepy behaviors that are creepy mm-hmm. today that I've mentioned before. Staying with the boombox, playing the music. Oh, so fucking weird. Refusing to leave because you're playing that music. Okay. Calling eight times. Creepy. Yeah. Calling a bunch, leaving a lot of messages. Creepy creepy today was it creepy back then i'm not so sure here's why how else was he supposed to deliver that song to her (laughs) he doesn't have an email (laughs) he could have just sent her a youtube link like like many of us you know like back in my day when i was in college if i were upset or going through a breakup i could set an away message with some song lyrics for whoever hurt me to read yeah i can't you can't do that you couldn't do that that so how could you get her to feel it (laughs) (laughs) the best thing is like like diane's professor face is so serious right now oh yeah the other things in say so i'm jumping around but the other things in say anything is that like she several times said like well can we just be friends or can we just like like he like wore her down to say yes to a date he like wore her down it was like he was just way even though i will say that say anything read much better to me this time than it did in my brain same it was less bad than i thought it was going to be but the whole relationship was him just not taking no for an answer right and maybe that's because at that time women were less empowered to give 
free information, though that character wasn't. She was very brutally honest through to everybody. I mean, she told her dad that she instigated sex. <laughs> right. She was a very open book, this chick. And he said, but the whole relationship was him just wearing her down, wearing her down. He sees this woman, puts her on this huge pedestal, idolizes her. She is mm-hmm. the only focus. And that yep. is the case in all the movies except for One Crazy Summer that we're talking about, right? Yep. There's this woman who is the focus of all the idolization. And in that space, he will do anything to get her. No stop, never. So basically, so in Say Anything, it's not, I would say it's not as overt because she likes it right and so she's receptive to being like essentially what it's trying to show is like that she's a like studious hard-working person and he's trying to convince her to like let loose and have fun right like that's kind of um what that is supposed to be showing but i will say related to their whole relationship he's basically like said a few times like basically some semblance of like i am fine just existing for her yeah (laughs) which is massively codependent (laughs) like on one hand i'm like what kind of hardworking academic woman doesn't want some guy to not just some guy, but their partner to support them and be there? Because ultimately, that's what he's doing, right? Like he's yeah. supporting her and like he wants to be there for her and stuff. On the other hand, he's basically like, no, I'm just like alive. Like it was basically like they graduated high school and then he has to figure out what he wants to do with his life. And then he's like. I think I'm just going to be a professional boyfriend. <laughs> I'm not going to bring any money in. I'm just going to be there for you emotionally. I'm a rapper in a blanket when she needs it. And which like he was, I would say more emotionally astute than some other characters um, that we've like seen in, in films, male yeah. characters. Well, so then- at the time, right. He mm-hmm. was, he had more depth and kindness to him than other dudes. Right. And actually, one of the scenes that I really liked from Say Anything was the friends when he was like, I hang out with too many girls. And then he tried to hang out with dudes like that were like dude dudes for a little while. And he was like, fuck this. I can't. Yeah. (laughs) I got to call my girlfriends back up. But I actually that was one of the pieces that I forgot. And I'm wondering, I wanted to talk about how you feel in um, specifically for Say Anything that a lot of those behaviors were egged on by the girls. You know, like, call her again. He's like, I've already called her seven times. Seven unanswered messages are my limit. Well, then write her a letter. Like, you have to go. You have to do something. And he's like, no, I'm going to let her come to me, which is not what he did. But the pushing of the girls, is that part of, like, this kind of normalization or over-romanticizing of that kind of behavior? Mm-hmm. What did you think about that? I think that um, honestly, and I'll connect this to One Crazy Summer, I think that sometimes uh, and I think this is a point for the insult (laughs) the insult point is I think that sometimes these films put women in, 
in um, certain situations where the woman is at fault. So we don't have to blame mm. the male character for something. Okay. So, right. you know, yeah. it could have been just a plot device to make it the catalyst, but they're, they're the ones going, no, you have to do something. You have to do something. And that's kind of like putting on the women. And then in one crazy yeah. summer, um, he's kind of into one it's same kind of classic like oh there's two women that was bizarre that was one of them one of them is like super aggressive and so i was like oh huh that's kind of interesting that they're kind of putting it as if like the woman is the one who makes trouble Mm -hmm. for the dude because she was essentially this woman who was cheating on or who was into him was cheating on her boyfriend to right. be with him. Right. And he was like acting like he didn't want to be around her at all, but she was essentially the aggressor. So that's where my brain And in goes. that and in that movie his friends were egging him on for that situation cuz so one thing that was so if you've not seen one crazy summer uh, you know, and you want to try acid without trying acid, you could just watch this movie and then you'll mm-hmm. I think I don't know. I've never had acid before, but I think that that's what it produces. I'm pretty sure <laughs> this movie. Yeah. Um, but so in this movie, One Crazy Summer, we have um, Demi Moore is like this wild child. She has uh, braids in her hair and they call them corn husks. Yeah. Instead of corn. She's unique. Yeah. But she's she's got kind of like this like hippie vibe and she's you know works at a bar to help her grandfather out and then the whole point of the story is is that she's trying to save her grandfather's house after he dies and they have to raise a certain amount of money to pay back taxes (laughs) and in that movie it's Demi Moore who is I think during that time still a lot considered one of the most beautiful women ever and then just like the short haired blonde chick. I can't even find her name because the picture doesn't show up. Oh, Kimberly Foster? Yeah, that's who it is. Yeah, she wasn't very famous. But so she has a pretty. face. She's pretty. Yeah, but but... She had a, I feel like some, some women in the 80s looked like they were middle aged moms. Well, she was Dallas. She was on Dallas, that lady. Oh, okay. Kimberly Foster, yeah. Good for her. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> anyway (laughs) anyway so so he's like getting pushed by his friends and the girl to like come to go out with kim foster's character and then he uh, he's kind of like oh demi moore is just my buddy when she's the obvious love interest it just didn't make any sense that movie was just all over the place (laughs) but yeah but i do see what you say about the women blaming peace that makes more sense. I mean, I was also thinking that maybe they were trying to make it seem less creepy because the girls were saying that, but I do. That's what feel women like, want. Yeah. When I was little, though, I do feel like that's what I thought romance was supposed to look like. Exactly. For sure. I used to like fantasize, like, oh, I just want a guy to like show up to my place and tell me we're going somewhere and blah, blah, blah. Take me off my feet. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, fast forward to High Fidelity. Boy. I will say High Fidelity, okay. <laughs> it, st- it started with, so this is what, 14 years later, 15 years mm-hmm. later from those films. Sure and it starts, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it starts with him being like, oh, I always like, she, this, what's her name? Laura, I think. 
his ex-girlfriend he just got dumped and like it starts with she's a bitch he's the the wrong kind of which is like kind of the character he's played in other films Mm -hmm. you know that we just discussed like so at some point say anything he gets dumped and then he's like sad and sappy and one crazy summer he kind of acts like the victim a little bit and like how he's being treated um but then and so then i would say high fidelity starts that way where you're like yeah laura's a bitch or whatever her name was and then then he's like oh let me like re-examine my relationships and then in some cases he's like yeah she was a bitch but then it starts like he starts revealing like i wasn't actually a good person yeah. <laughs> And so then you start seeing more of like Laura's side. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like that could have been the same. It could have been the same character kind yeah. of, right? I mean, they even had a similar vibe. Like the girls in the movies, mm-hmm. they have that like short hair. Like that girl in Freddy that that died um, when she got stuck in the ceiling and all the blood came out. That look, same yeah. girl, same girl across the board. Yeah, blonde yeah. bobs. So, into it. so I think that that's kind of an in- interesting aspect of high fidelity that I hadn't thought about before, but thinking about it grouped together with these other films, I was like, well, at least it offered the woman side of things. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it wasn't just blaming women for stuff. Yeah. All right. What else you got? So... For I do have a side note question. This is not about incel stuff, but we had kind of talked about it before. But one thing pro John Cusack life is that he like rolls deep with his friends, huh? It's the same people in all these movies. Like, that. <laughs> like, like um, Lily Taylor is in a bunch of movies. He's always it. getting his sister a job. And she's the shining star of all these movies. Correct. And then um, and then there's like, you know, um the jeremy piven why is he in all these he's He's the director probably was he in um better off dead as well i just kind of assumed he no i don't think so if he was i don't think so it had the guy from the same um that curtis armstrong guy i think he's in a couple of them too so it's just a lot of turnover all right anyway um so I think, you know, what you bring up is a really good point is how much um, we see that the the girl takes the blame on the hurt. And that is like the biggest theme that goes through the whole movie. And like she had a lot of stuff going on and say anything like her dad was going to jail. I've totally right. forgot. I totally forgot. Her dad was like a fraudster who rips off yeah. a bunch of old people. <laughs> I didn't even not remember this movie at all. I don't know why. But um, so in kind of all these movies, beyond the fact that there's this like one person who's um, the like pinnacle that they're trying to get to, that comes with so much objectification of just very, very particular types. Right. So I have. Um, and and, you know, we talk about like identifying with people sometimes in movies and again with Demi Moore not being the hot one is fucking insane but brown haired girls I guess they're gross I don't know um but in these movies the objectification of someone just because of how they look 
and then he that's how he falls in love with them like it's, it, there's no basis for why he loves her except for the way she looked she was telling a whole speech and say anything about how she's scared of being an adult and he just is like but those eyes right like the whole time so it's just, like he was obsessed with her mm -hmm. and then he and decided to ask her out because right. he was like i'm not gonna let the summer go by and so that's a good point that he was kind of obsessed with her i would say back to high fidelity in Catherine zeta so in high fidelity he revisits some old relationships like his top mm -hmm. i think five worst breakups one of them is a character played by Catherine zeta jones and when he um like Caesar, he kind of realizes, oh, I was just like obsessed with her, but she's like full of shit and like mm -hmm. full of herself and stuff. So it was almost kind of like he was realizing, oh, I put her on a pedestal. Right. You know, so um, it's kind of interesting to think about the how they kind of play with each other. Um, I didn't now even connect how I mean, you're blowing my mind. I know that you're smart, but Jesus, I didn't even connect how it could high fidelity literally just could have been any of these characters 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I just started thinking about it because, you know, the comparing and contrasting. Yeah. But um, related to One Crazy Summer, I thought that one was interesting. So <laughs> it sounds like it was an overcompensation to uh better off dead but in that one i thought it was actually really interesting that he wasn't that outwardly into either women yeah yeah he was just letting life happen yeah he was just like chilling and like suddenly this woman wants to date him but and that character on the flip side right so like that character he was named hoops because he was supposed to be a really good basketball player and he couldn't play basketball so, <laughs> so yeah so he was set up for disappointment he, we knew at the beginning that he was a disappointment, period, right? Mm -hmm. so. so other incel-type things, I would say, um, in One Crazy Summer, it starts with a, um, him drawing. <laughs> He's, he like, drawing a cartoon, <laughs> which apparently the writer and director is, like, a cartoonist. I keep saying and oh. director. I haven't even fact-checked this, but whoever wrote it, is an actual cartoonist, which is why it had so many cartoons. Did Better Off Dead have a bunch of them too? Yeah. Yeah, that's why. So um, one thing that I was like, holy shit, is he was basically fantasizing about, like, he was like drawing and like drawing animals and stuff. And he was basically fantasizing about committing a mass shooting. Right. <laughs> which yes. is like, not oh saying God, all in do that, but I was like, whoa, holy shit. And he did it. He pointed out it was an Israeli weapon. I was like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, he he drew a rhinoceros who was looking. He goes, I know love is blind. And then there's Cupid was like, there was a little baby Cupid that had read like uh, blind glasses on. Mm -hmm. And then he was like saying how he could never find me. And oh, he never finds me. And you know, when we watch so... That is another piece of like kind of this incel behavior. Like I deserve, but all these opportunities are taken away from me. Like everyone else can find love, but I can't find love. My life is horrible, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. Well, and his character was also kind of funny because it was like, apparently whatever fucking school he went to, it was uh, like Generic a tradition that everyone got a car. 
from their parents and then he got like a piece of heavy like machinery like construction equipment which i was like wouldn't that actually cost probably more than a A vehicle yeah well Uh, and it was so funny that i will say one funny thing about that movie was in one crazy summer and i feel like i feel like i have bounced around so much i apologize listeners i hope if this is your first time also listen to the scrooge episode but (laughs) but um they're uh it, they named the town generic New York, and I thought that that was just that so was, funny. That was hilarious. <laughs> I thought that was so good. But yeah, so okay. I mean, in basic terms, every single movie we have these obsession elements. We have don't take no for an answer. We have um, that like the world has you are a victim of the world vibes, and like these are all the things that lead to these kind of these i'm wondering why so many movies like that were made like is that a part of that time period in the 80s and 90s early 2000s that's still part of our lives that we believe that we are being gypped all the time and that like white dudes need an anti-hero like we were gonna for we were gonna do christmas vacation and that was my whole thing. Like, why do people like this fucking movie? It's like, yeah. oh, I identify with Clark. He's the worst. And he's he absolutely was- fucking psychotic, misogynistic. Oh, I would have said so much. Maybe Christmas. <clears throat> Maybe we should do it anyway. <laughs> Dude, I have a lot. I don't want to watch that movie again, Diane. I'm not Christmas doing it. Christmas in July. Let's do it Christmas in July. Christmas in July. Okay. Um, but in all of these movies, you know, there's all these pieces that just show like, well, I deserve this. And Mm -hmm. there's no other besides white dudes that have those, those like just movie after movie after movie, I'm owed, I'm due. And he didn't even work hard in anything, right? Except for obsessively getting a girl, the girl that he wants, right? So I would say there is the vein of like aimlessness in all the films. Mm So in all the films, he's at a kind of a crossroads, right? So high fidelity, one of the biggest issues is that he's just, quote unquote, just an owner of a record store and doesn't have much direction right? in his life. Um, and then the other two that I watched, it was both, I just graduated high school. What do I do now? And what's interesting in both those cases uh, of the high school graduate he had a bunch of options like open to him that he could have just taken right which you know is very um i would say a very unique experience for i would say gen x is probably the last <laughs> generation to experience that to be able to go hmm what do i want to be right. <laughs> you know without having to think about going to college and stuff um all right. One, now, one other fucked up thing that we didn't yeah. talk about that's not super important, but the say anything at the party, the career counselor teacher goes to the oh, party. Oh, no. I have some thoughts. So, <laughs> did you watch the one that I sent you, the link, or did you watch it somewhere else? No, I watched it somewhere else. I, I swear to God. I don't know if this is a Mandela effect or what, but I swear to God. I swear to God that, and I even like rewound it, that I could have sworn there was a scene. So there's a character 
in the film who is the voice of Homer Simpson, Dan okay. Castellanata. And do you remember in the beginning when she's talking, uh, when Diane's talking about her yearbook and how her teacher wrote that she's a live wire? Yeah. Did we ever see her interact with the teacher? I don't think so. I swear to God that I have a vivid memory of her running into that teacher at the party and having an interaction where he's a little drunk and almost gets creepy with her and that she blows him off and is like, thank you, Mr. Carroll, and like acts in a mature way that blows him off. I swear to God, and it must have been scrubbed or something. I don't know, but I promise you that that... I because I remember being younger and being like, oh, who the fuck's that guy? And then learning it was the voice of Homer Simpson and being like, whoa, what the fuck? Because someone who's the producer of The Simpsons was also the producer of this film. But um, it's just gone now. But I'm like, I swear, I swear there was a scene where he was like almost getting like almost just almost getting there. And then she was just like, thank you. And like blew him off to where like she basically did it to where he wasn't embarrassing himself. So I kept bracing for that scene. But yeah, why the fuck is a teacher at a high high school graduate party? Yeah, it's like, like, I mean, okay, so I know. Because I was just thinking that my mom turned 18 the year that they switched alcohol to 21, I think. From 18 to 21. And I was wondering, but like, yeah, why are they drinking with high school kids? And and this, I'll say this, you know, you teach, you teach college students. And this is no disrespect to people working their lives out in their 20s. But a fucking college kid does not look like an adult. Listen, and the more you talk to them, no offense to college. Oh, no, for, for real. <laughs> the more you talk to them, the more you're like, you may present as older like the ones who are quote-unquote mature but i had so many students in my offices who were going through stuff and like you just talk to them for a few minutes and you're like oh yeah and so i don't ever see how this is a side tangent i don't see how if you interact with students in any kind of way how you can delude yourself into saying that they're they act older for their age yeah. <laughs> because Absolutely. if you actually have a conversation with them you're like oh my god you're young yeah and, and naive and, you know, and that's nothing they can do they're still developing a hundred percent and if they're not naive that's almost sadder right like it at that point right. but so yeah it's gross that's that's all all right any other weird pieces uh, oh, we didn't talk about the rap that he's Wigan man and how many times in say anything he used like black voice when he was talking to his nephew and that felt icky. I'm just mm. Okay, so <laughs> I wanted to talk about so since we just mentioned the teacher, I wanted to talk about and this could be for or against the perpetuation of incel culture. So when you look at his character so you look at hoops you look at lloyd i don't know the name and better off dead you look at rob from high fidelity look at the dudes who surround him so comparatively he's usually the greatest dude compared to the other dudes that the women in these films interact with so high fidelity got this asshole um pretentious neighbor that 
his ex ends up going to live with. Yeah. So by comparison, he's a pretentious asshole. Rob isn't, right? Rob's friends, the people he interacts with daily are all kind of losers. It's Jack Black. It's Todd. I can't remember his last name. Um, they're both kind of like losers who are directionless, who are just kind of immature, who are part of why, like, he's basically the most mature out of them, which mm -hmm. is kind of why it's a problem. Right. Say anything. The people in Diane's life, she has the creepy teacher who I swear to God, I tried to look <laughs> it up and I was like, I'm not making this up. Um, so she had her creepy teacher. She had her clearly manipulative codependent Ugh. father. Ugh, that was hard. And then as classmates, they had the wild guys, the drinkers, the dudes they showed in that scene who kind of like talk about people, talk about women, but don't talk to them. So kind of incels in a way. Mm -hmm. um, so you have, and then in One Crazy Summer, he's friends with a bunch of idiots, like a bunch of dipshits. And then he's also friends with, um, or not friends with, enemies, which it sounds like uh, Better Off Dead is similar with a pretentious yeah, big tall rich, arrogant dude and so um so like when you think about it like in all these films he's the nice regular guy compared to the other men that women have to interact with in these movies right so compared to Diane's dad, like he's fucking amazing, That's true. <laughs> right? Like yep. she's codependent with her dad. So might as well make her codependent with a boyfriend instead. And that's right. the better, the better alternative because at least he's trying to help her drive and like grow, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So that could be for or against because that perpetuates the idea of, well, I'm a nice guy and all the dudes around me are just chads, which I think is bad, right? There's a bunch of chads and Stacey's, <laughs> I think is what they say. And so like on one <laughs> hand, someone can watch that and go, oh, yeah, I am the only good guy. And um, I, you know, I deserve this woman because there's all these fucking slobs. And if they if they aren't slob lazy slobs, they're pretentious assholes and i'm just average i'm right actually in between so right. i'm the best right. it's like kind of like goldilocks right like so, he's and, like and in that the girls get to the guys get to go for this pinnacle girl whoever they set up is the pinnacle girl so amazing i can't believe you get to date her and women's best options are he's fine yeah but like he's extraordinary and say anything right because he provide like he does he you know is codependent so he does stuff for her. and she mentioned specifically a nice guy act that made her really like him and uh, that was him watching like telling her to watch out for glass yeah <laughs> on a like, side don't of step in your sandals don't step on glass and that's which like shows that he's caring right and that's why she's into him it doesn't really seem like they have much in common but she's like yeah we don't have much in common but he's nice which kind of perpetuates that idea right i would say one crazy summer is like the least out of like yeah 
I don't and think then Rob in high fidelity. I don't know. He ended up being like one thing I really do appreciate in high fidelity is he's called out for some of the shit that he did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cheated. Um, then I think she had an abortion and didn't tell him or something. But the reason why she didn't tell him was like because it's something sad related to his behavior. Um, he wasn't like growing up or anything. So she was like, bye. <laughs> yeah like you're still hanging out with your loser friends not doing anything like peace you know yeah i think that i think that say anything's character actually landed a little better with me than i thought it would so because i don't like how much like he like wore her down but i also am trying to be responsive to the fact that that's what we were taught you know what i mean that was that's what we were taught in the 80s was the way that you showed someone you loved someone so like I don't know, but um, but he at least uh, like was honest with her the whole time, which I guess. And and there is part to. It's funny because, you know, when we talk about these kind of things in general, we talk about this idea that like nice guys finish last and these movies have a nice guy that doesn't finish last and then it gives people hope. But like, I fucking hate that thought process because if you were really like if you were really kind like like people complain about the friend zone i I'm, our our lovely amazing creative songwriter has a song called the friend zone and i'm always arguing with him and i go that's so fucking manipulative to have and he's happily with someone so it's not like a reflective of his self but um he he the idea that having somebody with like that it's bad for you to be their friend and like that they owe you sex is what that feels like that kind of complaining um in in all of these kind of scenarios it just goes back to that idea that nice guys finish last but as i'm talking i realize i just don't like when people complain that like acting like the victim (laughs) when they don't have any reason to act like a victim because they don't have any real problems and, yeah, uh, and maybe I'm just like, a cold, heartless person. Well, it seems like in all of the films, his character came from relative privilege, like yeah. economic privilege in all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it never seemed like money was a factor for him or, um, you know, like he was just kind of like bumming in one crazy summer mm-hmm. doing, well, didn't even have a job. He was going to Nantucket with his friend. Who's the summer because he decided the last second that he wanted to go to Nantucket. Exactly, because he had the privilege to be able to do that shit, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of like, oh, two jobs every summer. Right, exactly. (laughs) So update. While you were talking, I Googled it and there it it was a deleted scene. I don't know how I I've never owned the Say Anything DVD, but Dan Castellaneta had a brief role as a teacher who tries to hit on Diane at the party, but the scene was cut, though it's included as a deleted scene on the DVD. Hey, we solved the mystery. Maybe you rented it. No, I don't think so. I think probably what happened was back in the day, AMC movies used to have like um, films that they would play certain nights and then they would play the DVD features too. Okay. 
I can't remember the name of it, but I'm pretty sure I must have seen it then, like in the context of it playing on AMC and then them going, and here's a deleted scene. So. Oh, what an interesting one to play. Mm. Yeah. So (laughs) if you think about it, um, yeah, just a bunch of creeps everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I will say in terms of partners, Mm -hmm. so. We got the three different characters. Who's your like favorite partner out of all of these? Oh, um, like who would you want as a partner? Well, you- I mean, you could say none, but of the three, if you had to choose, if I had to choose between John Cusack's character or his partner's characters, no, no, no. If you had to choose between Lloyd, Rob, uh, Hoops, or Better Off Dead, dude. Whoever that is. <laughs> um, you know, oh, this is such a good question. I think probably I think <laughs> probably Lloyd because I'd be able to control him more. <laughs> Maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> but I think I think that uh I think that hoops is just like a kind of like, well, no, he wanted to go to art school. I'm picking hoops. He wanted to go to art school. I'm he comes hoops. from a rich family. I'm into it. This is when I get hoops. Because when Demi Moore's character got pissed off at him and didn't mm-hmm. want to talk to him, he quietly supported her from afar that and didn't true. make a big fucking deal about it. So um, that is just true. for context, she had these basic ass flyers. And she was advertising a... Um, so she was a singer. And so... Who sang an inspirational song as well. I'm laughing so hard because of all three films. My favorite part, hands down, was the moments when they tried to have Demi more lip sync. So she's supposed to be lip syncing this like really soulful voice. And she was so bad at it. And her her lips were not matching up at all. And it was just so funny. But the whole thing is like she's a singer trying to get the money to save her grand her dead grandpa's in or whatever it was and um so uh she's handing out flyers that's just literally a piece of paper with um whatever her name is and then it was like live at this place and then date and time and it was as if she just took a typewriter and typed it right in the middle of each paper and so the idea was he's a he's a cartoonist right so he looks at it and he's like oh I can advertise this. So without bothering her, without calling her, without stalking her at all, he and his friends put together an entire marketing scheme. Mm-hmm. They, did. Like, they put together a cartoon that they made to play at the drive-in theater. They made new flyers. They were calling radio stations. They were doing all kinds of shit. And at one point, she's like, ow and about and a flyer gets handed to her and it's for her event she's like whoa and then she like looks over and he's hoops is out there handing them out and he doesn't fucking run over to her he's not like hey what's up he just kind of gives her head nod moves kind of like and then he just keeps doing it and And what i do think in all of the characters well no i think rob the guy from high fidelity i know that he learns a lesson in the end kind of but he's still a dick and i do not like i viscerally hate the rob character i think he's the worst one so that's the high fidelity one but in say anything and 
I think in all three, he's a really good friend. Yeah. And it's not like he doesn't. So like he does really good things for his friends. And at that point in time, to me, more was his friend. It's like he, the character always, that like feeling of being owed, that like I need this pinnacle person I've put in my life and like I'm going to wear her down until she comes comes home with me, right? That in that like, he's not that good to those people, but he's like so good to his friends, you know? So it, it just, it kind of like combines it. I don't know, maybe I'm talking myself out of him being too much of an incel, but I do want to fact correct you though. That okay. is absolutely Demi Moore singing that song. Is it really? That's her voice, yeah. But she's lip syncing it though. I but yeah, well, no one said she was like the best actress. <laughs> the lip syncing is terrible. <laughs> During that time. I don't know. You know, Demi Moore is another like people who like the brat pack is also uh uh like whether I think I can actually be friends with people who like, like someone once told me, oh shit, what is that? Um, It's on the tip of my tongue. The Demi Moore movie. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to think of it. Someone told me a Demi Moore movie was their favorite movie. And I literally was like, oh, I'm going to watch it. And then I watched it. I was like, we can't be friends. Ghost? No, I like yeah, Ghost. Jane. No, no, no. It's an older one. It's one of the Brat Packs, like with Molly Ringwald. Neon and Spire. Yes. Where she almost like, locks herself in a room and does a bunch of cocaine. <laughs> Someone told me that was their favorite movie ever. And I was like, okay. Wow. I also, yeah. I also uh, realized that I fell out of love with my first boyfriend when, when I finally watched um, that Al Pacino movie where he, The Son of a Woman. Because Son of a Woman was his favorite movie. And I was like, we're not meant to be. <laughs> Good thing Eric didn't start hot with. You gotta watch yeah. Better Off Dead. He brought Better Off Dead into the relationship early on. We yeah, but we trauma bonded because we came from law school together. All right. Anything else? Uh no. Okay. Well, most of so it. let's answer if instead of love that hated craziest because we would take all day because we have all these things unless you have something you really want to talk about no i just i really felt and it weighed on my heart to talk about the terrible lip syncing <laughs> even if she sang it she was really bad at the lip that makes it worse right <laughs> she couldn't lip sync her own it was song. Like, like singing it with such feeling but not singing it <laughs> So in uh, let's talk about each movie, whether it passed the smell test and whether it's it's incel celebration. OK. OK. So say anything. What do you think? Pass the smell test. Yes, because of um, the story with. Like, if there was a different story behind her dad, mm -hmm. I would say differently. But I think that element makes me see it more as a, oh, he's persistent because she's a sheltered person kind of under the control of her father. Yeah. And he pretty quickly picks up on the dad. He's like, your dad's an issue. And she's like, he's my best friend. <laughs> 
shows them in court. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was so sad. Um, um, I, you know, I agree with you on say anything. I actually, first of all, enjoyed it much more. I um, thought I was going to say for sure it doesn't. I did too. And, and, um, the fact that what brought them back together was not any of these kind of like stalkery behaviors. Listen, boys, if if for some reason a 18 to 25 year old boy is listening right now or 50, whatever, or girls or they's or them's or whatever, any person do not, who's going to <laughs> do not stalk a person to get them to go out with you. Just it's don't. not cool. If it's listen, if it's real then it won't be so much hard work to start. Mm-hmm. It doesn't become hard work until you're like many years in. If it's really hard at the beginning, it's probably not it. Especially if it's one-sided. <laughs> right. So, um, but I do think um, the way that they got, if she had in my head, he played the radio and she ran out to him. And I did not like that ending. I created in my head that never existed. But because she came to him when she needed him, because she needed him, and that line, like, do you need someone or do you need me? Mm -hmm. That made me like, okay, she has some authority. She has some autonomy here. Like, she's she's making this choice instead of being forced into this choice. Because at that point, he he had given up. Yeah, and he eventually left her alone, right? So she had to go to him. Yeah, so I agree about... uh, say anything high fidelity um no 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 i'm it is it is in self-otter i really believe it is and uh no uh it does not hold up it is awful the way he talks about women is awful the way that he's still like i don't think he had the character arc he needed i hated it i will tell you my favorite part in that was when Catherine zeta jones was like Oh, yeah. One of you always, like, does this to me. Like, she's like, it's pretty common that, like, an ex will, like, reach out and want to know what went wrong or whatever. And I definitely feel like dudes do that. Yeah. I don't don't think that happens to me. Maybe they know. (laughs) Probably (laughs) tell them exactly why we broke up. (laughs) I don't think I leave anything a mystery. Um, we've already learned today that I'm kind of an asshole. Um, one crazy summer. Yeah, you know that one. I thought it's so funny that you mentioned the ski from um, Better Off Dead because when I was watching this one, it ended with this like boat regatta, and I was thinking, yeah, wow, that's such a trope in like '80s films that there's always this big competition. And I was thinking to myself. Wasn't there like a ski one like that too? So it was like kind of funny because I guess I must have seen it or more than one of that same trope with the ski competition. Well, you know, one of the things Eric says is that so the ski competition from Better Off Dead, he says that um, that his friends will post memes about that a lot. Like that is a very memed things so you might not have even there's seen. a lot of memed things so seth mcfarlane the creator mm. family guy i used to watch family guy a bunch and he you know like watching one crazy summer was funny to me because i was like oh like this is where a lot of those 
tropes that dudes in their 40s and 50s like make fun of or like that Seth MacFarlane makes fun of comes from so you got the the painting the boat montage you got the the climaxes in like a competition that resolves everything and um so I would say one crazy summer it does pass the smell test and one of the reasons why it does and you know you bring up a good point that these were that Demi Moore's character was his friend. So we don't know how he'd be as a boyfriend. But I will say that it was nice to show that the blonde-haired, like, arrogant dude who was a bully mm -hmm. eventually ended up actually not... Well, he still ended up being a piece of shit. But for a hot second, they show that he's really the victim of his father's toxic right. masculinity and aggression. Right. Mm -hmm. And for a minute, he almost he almost redeemed himself, which I thought was kind of nice and kind of nice that that was being covered in the 80s was that he wasn't just fully a shitty dude. But then he ended up being still shitty, but yeah. it kind of like showed how he ended up shitting, how he was also a victim, which I thought yeah. was interesting. I also like that, um, you know, Hoops didn't. He wasn't actively seeking either woman. Like that wasn't the goal of the film, the movie or anything. And plus, I told you, I, I sent you a photo of it, but so I've been watching Godzilla movies a bunch. Like I watched like <laughs> six or seven of them over um the past like week. So um I just discovered Godzilla. I've seen some movies before, but mm -hmm. there's a scene in one one crazy summer that uh is very Godzilla centric. So yeah, which is like funny <laughs> on its own. Like it didn't have to be weird. You know, there's a lot of aggressive stuff in there, like the aggressive strangling of an Asian man. But I don't know. Maybe not actually. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think one crazy summer holds up. Like passes the Let's smell test as we no smell test was his character incel no right that I would agree with that because there's also so there's some parts of it there's like a lot of weird gratuitous violence that you could block you could like miss really easy um and that's um like they they threw the graduation caps and someone died yeah he <laughs> was like, like what just dead what? very confusing very weird now I have a question for you about bobcat Gold, is Goldberg. that is is his whole personality is his whole persona making fun of disability <laughs> i thought it, it was it i thought that's how he was but then when we watched scrooge that's not entirely he was a very dialed back version of that and so i'm like oh man was he mocking people when he does this do you know I don't know, but I do think, I mean, just based on what I can remember of his presence in films and TV shows back then, because he played, I think he was on Married with Children before, like he really played up that he has a funny voice and like kind of did this whole character. I think as a person today, he's actually a really great director and writer as well, I think. Okay. He has a movie called, I think it's called The Fan. That's very good. Uh, so former guest Daniel has actually met him and met with him. Oh, cool. uh, for Yeah, for like um, mentorship before as part of the fellowship that he oh, had. Oh, shit. So Yo, like, I have, a famous person. I have nothing famous but positive. 
<laughs> yeah. So I have nothing but positive um, impressions of Bobcat now, but I'll have to think about that. But I do think he got famous by playing up having this wacky voice. And so maybe mm -hmm. some of his behavior. Yeah. Well, and you know, this, this particular movie didn't, it wasn't funny. You know, like the way that he, it, so it was almost like, I felt like I was watching someone make fun of people with disabilities. And I have not experienced that watching him in other things. I've seen him in 5 million other things. I've met him before because I worked at comedy clubs and he was very nice. Right. Yeah. But this one, I don't know. And I think, and maybe it was just the the manicness of this movie altogether. Like this is just this frenetic insanity that this movie had. So maybe it was that, but I don't know. I actually liked his character a lot because, well, two things. He I'm was very those. affectionate with his, the front act act who got kicked out of his parent, his dad's house for not yeah. essentially not being masculine enough. Yeah. And he was like comforting him and like, which I thought was really sweet. That was number one. Number two, there is a scene that I'm pretty sure the Golden Girls just totally ripped off. <laughs> so there's a scene where he's like telling the story about like a fat kid who had a twin brother and everyone made fun of him because of how he talked. And you think he's telling the story about himself. And he goes, yeah, I used to beat him up all the time. And like that literally of all the films made me actually <laughs> laugh out loud because I was like, oh, oh, no, like you were treated that way. And then when he said that, I was like, that's hilarious because there's a very similar joke. I have to tell you, I thought he was trying to get out of the emotion by saying, yeah, I used to beat him up. I thought he was. Oh, still that's how I listened to that. So that's funny. So maybe maybe I don't know. But there's also um you know, there there's like vague underpinnings of kind of weird, um, like when they she wears those corn husks and it was like talking about corn rolls, which is not even what she had on. So like is I don't know that I just didn't it didn't I don't think it translated. I think I get why it was fun and wacky at the time. I think that there are um I think that teenage boys would probably still like it, but me as a 42 year old woman does not think that this is a uh, holds up in life. How about that? <laughs> oh yeah. You know what? And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, no. Cause then there was like two scenes where these ambulance dudes were trying these, these paramedics were fighting over who had to give a guy mouth to mouth. Yeah. Presumably because it's gay to do yep. so. Yeah. So yeah, definitely solidly in the know. So actually, surprisingly, say anything's the only one I would say. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect that to happen. Also, uh, Better Off Dead does not pass any tests. It and it is very incelly vibes, but but gotcha. overall, this discussion, once again, junkies at characters sometimes have questionable things. Was it representative of the time frame? Probably. But John Cusack as a person, he's great. Great dude. And, you know, I can't knock anybody who's taking on whatever roles they can. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that was what was out there. This, these themes, like if we think about these themes were over and over and over and over and over. Even like movies that I loved, like, like, um, 
the Princess Bride is like one of my like classics. I've watched it a million times, but if I think about that, the same thing Wesley did. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so that was just what the messaging we were given at that time. And I'm glad that we've evolved. Is the point. Yeah. I yeah. Hope. And he was, he's born in 66. So he was essentially what, 20, 19, 20, and all these, yeah. 20. So, yeah. I mean, better off oh, dead man. was, he was yeah. only, he looks, he, I thought he was much older when he did. High fidelity. No, he's supposed to be a 35 year old dude yeah. in high fidelity. All right. Well, cool. It's been a pleasure. Well, we uh, did it. We did we the did John it. Cusack episode. The John Cusack episode. Uh, hopefully, there's no hate mail. Once again, love John Cusack. Uh, John Cusack, if you listen to this, uh, we love you a lot and our stand. So um, the listeners, and maybe you can ask this on Instagram, we got to figure out uh, someone new for a future special episode. Oh, yeah. That we look at in terms yeah. of, I can't do think that. of any, because we focus so much on, we focus so much on John Cusack that uh, I'm like, oh, who else could we? Yeah, listeners come way? through because there's, um. I'm it, no brat pack. I'm not watching those movies. But Amanda, please you don't make watch it. Ed, Ed Norton films. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so yeah, if you have any, follow us on the Instagram, the Smell Test Podcast. Uh, we're also in the same the Smell Test Podcast on Google for our Gmail. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or you want to suggest anything for us, and we're are we on X Smell Test Pod? Yeah. All right, Formally smell this pod on X, <laughs> formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. Have a beautiful day. Happy New Year. Happy 2024, everybody. If you're listening to this now, congrats. You made it. <laughs> you made it. I don't know. What was, I don't know what I was going to say. Like, I'm just imagining. You ever hear those podcasts where someone's like, like, I remember listening to my favorite murder and then like, I started listening in 2018 and they'd been around for a few years. So then I'm I'm listening to them talk about like the 2016 election before it happens. And I'm like, no, and like, <laughs> you're going like... to be so disappointed. It's like every podcast yeah. it started before 2020 is like 2020 is going to be the year. And then <laughs> they're all like, well, <laughs> so like if someone's listening to this in like 2028 and they're like, Oh shit! They didn't they know didn't that know it what was going to happen. And <laughs> oh lord! So, oh lord! Anyway, all so, right. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have we'll a see beautiful you next time. day. Bye.